The following is a basketballnews.com production. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening, depending where you're listening from. This is the Sheridan Show for basketballnews.com. I'm Chris Sheridan. I'm the host, and I'm pleased to be joined by a longtime colleague from the New York Post, Mark Berman. He's been covering the New York Knicks for 21 seasons, uh, eventful seasons, all of them, not all of them successful, but certainly Mark has some stories to tell and just a really great uh, insight on the Knicks. Um, there's been no one covering the team longer than him. Uh, I think with Steve Bolfett leading the Boston Herald that Mark Berman might be the longest tenured beat writer uh, in the United States. And so, Mark, welcome to the show, and uh, and let's get right into it, and let's start with what happened last night. Another triple-double for LeBron James, uh, a championship for the Los Angeles Lakers, and everybody wants to talk about today about who's the greatest player of all time. So why don't you speak to the validity of trying to even have that discussion, and then your opinion on, on where uh, LeBron kind of is in, the, in the, that sort of generational uh, dynamic of the push. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for having me on. Uh, listen, I've been very opinionated on the subject. After the Last Dance documentary, uh, they asked me, uh, the Post asked me to write a column on is Jordan, after watching Last Dance, is it clear that Jordan is the GOAT? And instead, I wrote a column saying, well, let's see what happens uh, if this NBA season restarts and LeBron wins a fourth championship uh, in a 10th finals appearance. And basically I said, LeBron, the story, the story has not been written yet, has not been finished. This is another great chapter for LeBron. So his fourth title in his 10th finals appearance, in my opinion, and Jeff Van Gundy's, because I asked Jeff about it a couple of weeks ago, and he said LeBron James's career uh, takes a backseat to nobody. And I know Jeff and Michael Jordan, you know, never saw eye to eye back in the day, but they're, Mark Jackson also uh, agreed. When you add the fact that uh, LeBron may set the scoring record uh, in a couple of years, and that's not even his best asset. He's, his best asset is as a passer. Uh, you can make the case that not only is his career more acclaimed with four titles and ten finals appearances, but he's just a better over, overall player, better rebounder. I mean, I always vote him on one of my defensive teams. Not all my colleagues do. So I think it's clear-cut that right now they're at least even, if not LeBron getting a nod. And before it's over, you know, I think LeBron is going to be back in the finals again. So I just think LeBron will retire uh, with the best career of all time. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to compare generations. But, you know, Will Chamberlain certainly had some records that are never going to fall. He averaged 48.6 minutes per game one season because he never sat out. I think he missed something like a half a quarter of one game because he got ejected, but he played every minute of every game. And they were doing back-to-back-to-back to back to back then, uh, and he averaged more than 48 minutes per game. He averaged 48.6, and that record will never fall. Bill Russell was 11-1 in championships, and um, 
Michael was six and zero, but, but Bill Russell uh, dominated. It was a long time ago, though, and not, not all that many people are around who remember that. And so when you're well, how many teams are in the league? I mean, that's in a thirty-team league to go to ten finals. To me, is just I don't think anyone's going to do it ever again. And you know, Jordan retires at age thirty-five, and LeBron. Looks like he's still in the middle of his prime. I mean, it could go fast. Who knows next season or the year after he could fall off the map at that age. But it didn't look like that during the bubble. And naturally, it was a shortened season, and that did help the Lakers. Yeah, he he, he looks like he's getting younger. Um, he's the only person in human history who seems to get younger as he gets older. And we were talking about it in a, in a, in a live broadcast last night with uh, a bunch of players, including and Heidi White and James Posey. And they were saying, man, when, when we hit 35, it was like, uh, I don't think I really want to start. I, I, want, I don't want to do sprints, you know. I don't want yeah. to keep working as hard as I did when I was young and hungry. But LeBron is a different character. And, you know, I don't know that he's going to one more NBA Finals. I think he might go to three, maybe four, because the, the way his body looks and the, the you know, the ferocity that, uh, that he plays with, I could see him going to 15 finals before it's all said and done, and including going to one with his son, Bronny, uh, once his son, yeah, Bronny, right. gets done with high school and, and comes into the NBA. But uh, let's turn it back to, to Michael uh, for a moment, because, uh, Mark, you and I sat together for years and years courtside at the Garden and, and covered Michael Jordan uh, and covered those Bulls teams that were coached by Phil Jackson. And, you know, Michael's 6-0 and record is certainly something that you can always hang his hat on. Uh, but when you're comparing Michael Jordan and LeBron James, uh, this is something we talked about on the live broadcast last night. I think Michael Jordan was a more competitive person than, than LeBron James is. That's not to take anything away from LeBron, but Jordan just had that competition gene that it was playing golf or playing cards on the team airplane or playing basketball. That guy was just, um, you know, he, he was uh, obsessed with winning. And He's been around uh, both of these guys long enough uh, to kind of get a, an idea of their personality. How do you think LeBron stacks up with Michael in terms of competitiveness? Well, I mean, if you watch the last dance, uh, you did get the impression that there was no greater competitor than Jordan, and he was vicious to his teammates. Uh, and I don't know if that would fly in the millennial era, how badly he ripped into his teammates. LeBron's pretty rough on his teammates, too, but I think he's got a gentle edge to him. But when you when you stack it up, he still retired at age 35. I mean, if he was that much of a competitor, and he was, why did he hang it up at 35? Because Phil Jackson wasn't going to coach him. That's my biggest argument when I go LeBron versus Michael, that Michael hung it up at 35. Yeah, he did come back when he was ancient for the Washington uh, Wizards, but I don't even remember or care about that part. But he hung it up instead of wanting maybe to go to a different destination and try to win a another championship. He felt he was secure in his legacy. No one was going to come behind him and top his greatness. But I believe when it's all said and done, Le LeBron will have topped it. Uh, as he continues to play, I believe he'll play to age 40, and I believe he'll be motivated in his last chapter, the final chapter, to play a season with his son, whoever drafts uh, his son into the NBA. Yeah, that's the next team that LeBron's going to play.
could end up with the Oklahoma City Thunder because they have so many draft picks. If they get the number one pick, like if you want LeBron on your team, you just draft this kid, and, right. and then when LeBron's contract is up, you get LeBron James. And so I think he'll right. wear a fourth uniform unless the Los Angeles Lakers are the team that drafts Bronny James. Right. Um, That's what I'm hoping the Knicks somehow uh, are able to uh, draft Bronny and James will finally call Madison Square Garden home, but it might be a fantasy. Well, it's been a fantasy that the Knicks have been you know, trying to make happen uh, a couple times when the bronze contracts have come up, and we both covered it. And they they whiffed, they, you know, they they whiffed for different reasons at different times. Um, but until the guy retires, you still have a shot at him, and the Knicks are forever trying to become relevant. Right now, they're they're playing second fiddle in New York to the Brooklyn Nets, and that's certainly going to be the case next season as Kyrie Irving returns and Kevin Durant returns. And Brooklyn is, uh, some sports books have them up as the favorite to win the East next year. Uh, but let's turn back to your team, the team that you cover, uh, the New York Knicks, because there's a lot of talk around the NBA uh, about Giannis Antetokounmpo's free agency if it comes up. The Bucks are, uh, are able to offer him a Supermax extension, but Giannis wants changes on that team, and until he signs the Supermax extension, he could go into free agency a year from now, and, uh, and, and the Knicks, of course, like a lot of teams, would love to have him. Um, and the theory being, being thrown around, uh, and it, I, I think it's somewhat valid, is that if you get Chris Paul, you have a shot at getting Giannis onto the combo, because Chris Paul and Giannis came very close in the bubble, especially when the Bucks uh, did their boycott uh, for those who may not know, Chris Paul is president of the Players Association, and uh, Michelle Roberts from the VA was down in the bubble the entire time from July on out, and, and Chris and Giannis became close. So the, as to that theory, Mark, um, do you buy it as valid as you really percentage put on a good cap? Well, it makes no sense in one respect of bringing in a 35-year-old to a rebuilding program. He'll be 36 at the end of next season. So if it's not Giannis, it's got to be someone else uh, because otherwise Chris Paul is not going to lead the Knicks past uh, maybe an eighth seed, but that's about it. So he, he'll need to be a drawing card. But at 36, you know, how many stars in their prime are definitely coming to play with Chris Paul? Giannis is close with Chris, as you mentioned, they got very tight in the bubble. But I still, gun to my head, I say that Giannis is going to stay with Milwaukee. I'm told he loves money. He's not going to pass up all that extra money with the Supermax. He'll use his free agency as leverage to make sure the Bucks do the exact moves that he would like to see because they do need an infusion. What, what they built right now is not good enough in the playoffs. But, yeah, the, the, listen, I believe if the Knicks were 100% going for Giannis, they would have hired Jason Kidd and not Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Jason and Giannis really do have a special relationship, and Giannis gives Jason a lot of credit for his development. So they went with Thibodeau. Uh, I think it could put the Knicks in play without Paul. They're probably not in play, as they weren't in play with so many other free agents who have just snubbed their noses at the Garden. Uh, but I do think the major reason 
Chris Paul will come to the next is because Leon Rose, their new president, is infatuated by him. It's probably his favorite client of all time when he was uh, the agent for Creative Artist Agency. So I think I think the chances are better than 50-50 that the Knicks are going to get Paul. There will be other teams, including the Bucks, who will try to get Paul. Uh, and I think Giannis would prefer Chris to play with him in Milwaukee. Uh, I think the family likes it uh, uh, in the Midwest, and I think the Bucks would be the Knicks' toughest competition uh, in, a, in the sweepstakes. Yeah, the, the, the problem is uh, Chris Paul makes, uh, he's got uh, $41.3 million on his contract for next year, and then he has a player option for $44 million. And with the Bucks being capped out, uh, making a trade uh, through a third team like in Atlanta or Detroit or New York that has the cap room to absorb Paul's salary and then move into the Bucks is, a, is next to impossible. And I think that works a little bit in the Knicks' favor as a flyer. Uh, because there's a lot of other great players in the league. Let's say Giannis is the one they're going to get, but there's a lot of other great players in the league that would love to play with Chris Paul um, just once. And even if it's a, if it's a year from now, the 2021-2022 uh, season, if the Knicks have Chris Paul as a, a lure to bring in other free agents, it's not the worst thing in the world because the Knicks only have $47 million in cap, uh, in cap space committed two years from now. Um, and, and that's significant. Excuse me. That's, the, that's actually Oklahoma City's number. They, the Knicks only have $26 million committed. Um, some of that, a significant portion of it, uh, $15.7 million, is uh, owed to Bobby Portis, and that's on a team option that probably won't get picked up. So um, let's say you're Leon Rhodes, and, uh, and, and you want to take a flyer on, on, on Chris Paul for, for you know a number of different reasons, Mark. Um, what's, what on the roster do you think that, uh, that Sam Presti in Oklahoma City would ask for? And not just on the roster, but also in terms of uh, future assets, future draft picks, that type of thing. Yeah, well, the Knicks are well-positioned to make a trade for a, a star on a max deal. Naturally, Paul's deal is just overwhelmingly whopping, uh, and that's why Knicks fans are a little uh, disappointed that, that Leon may want to do this. But uh, we've written that Kevin Knox, of all the Knicks young players, that Kevin Knox uh, is the player that Sam Presti likes the most. He's not a fan of Dennis Smith, I'm told. I think Frank Nilakina, he'd taken a deal. But the Knicks have different options in terms of a trade for Paul. They could either put Randall in the deal uh, and absorb the rest of the money through their cap space, but that would really make 2021 very difficult to have cap space for. Uh, or they can, you mentioned Bobby Portis, and if they uh, have a gentleman's agreement with OKC and they exercise his option, they could put Portis in that deal, you know, sign him to a one-year deal for $16 million or $17 million or whatever, $18 million, uh, and have the deal officially consummated after free agency starts. And that way you don't probably have to put Randall in there. And Randall is, you know, a pretty good, he could be a good sixth man on a very good team. So, but the Knicks have so many draft picks, uh, seven first round picks in the next four years. 
their two Dallas first-round picks, although they probably won't be lottery picks, you know, they're they're good assets in 2021 and 2023. They got that in the Dallas deal for Kristaps Porzingis. There's a lot of ways to go about it, and I think Leon does have the assets to make a deal. I think if the Bucks are very desperate and really think that Chris Paul is the final piece to the puzzle, they can find a way with adding a fourth team and try to really, you know, get Paul on the rush. You said it's near impossible, but I don't think anything is impossible with the way you can move contracts and put four teams in a, in a package. But listen, I think there'll be other teams interested in Paul, win-now teams, and that's why it's perplexing. Win-now teams want Chris Paul, and, but Leon Rose does also. And uh, the only thing I will say, Chris Paul has no say in the matter, but Sam Presti does want to uh, do right by Chris Paul. And New York has always been attractive to Chris, and he would love to play for Leon Rose, but he also wants to play for a winner. So I'm sure he's got mixed feelings. I, I can't really disagree with any of that. And um, it, You mentioned the two Clipper first-round, excuse me, the two Mavericks first-round picks, but the, the Knicks also have a couple of firsts coming from, uh, from the Clippers uh, this year and, uh, and next year. So... You know, a lot, a lot of Nick fans are frustrated with the team, and they don't really understand the strategy uh, of putting together the roster that they put together for last season, which will pretty much be the same roster they have going into this season, absent whatever draft picks they have and whatever deals they make. Um, but you know, from from Alfred Payton to R.J. Barrett to Frank Nowakowski and Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox, uh, Reggie Bullock, Mitchell Robinson. Um, who stands out to you as the, the Nick with the most promise amongst all those youngsters? Well, they need R.J. Barrett to be better. I mean, he was the number three pick in the draft, and in the all-rookie voting, he got snubbed. He was not voted in as one of the top ten rookies in the NBA. And that's, you know, the Knicks didn't make a big deal of it, but I'll tell you, that to me was very shocking and alarming uh, that that's how he was thought of, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the league. Listen, the guy has a great amount of energy, a lot of intangibles. He's a great competitor. The problem is he can't shoot the ball from the outside, and this NBA is now all about three-point shooting, and he's not even a good free-throw shooter. So he's got to develop a better perimeter shot. I think he's a very strong driver. He's got a great body, especially for a 19, 20-year-old. Uh, I think I think he's going to be a starter in this league for a long time. But the Knicks need him to be all-star caliber in a few years. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau developed Jimmy Butler uh, into a monster. You know, Thibodeau doesn't get enough credit for molding Butler, getting him as a young player, and look what Jimmy did in these finals. Uh, Kevin Knox, to me, there's some teams in the league who have ridden him off. Other teams like OKC think there's a lot left, a lot there to develop. He's got a low motor, and you can't teach that. 
but he could be a strong offensive player. I mean, I look at him at best, to be honest, as maybe a, a strong sixth man who could come off the bench and give you some points and maybe some rebounds. Uh, but he's not a good defender. Uh, but I think there's potential there. Mitchell Robinson, in a shooter's league, he can't even take a 14-foot jump shot. He took three jump shots the entire last season. He's got tremendous athletic ability and his great talent as a shot blocker, but he's got to develop some kind of jump shot. Uh, and But he's got a lot of talent, and he led the league in field goal percentage. He gets putbacks and alley-oops and... You know, he can be really dangerous, but he's too one-dimensional right now. So the Knicks have a lot of young players, but no certifiable future standout, and that's the biggest issue. Yeah, and that, that really comes from repetitions in the gym, and um, whether it's, you know, Mitch Robinson shooting from 10, 11 feet, or R.J. Barrett putting up 2,000 three-pointers a day and 10,000 free throws, you know, he needs work on both, as you said. Bad three-point shooter, uh, 32%, and, and a bad free-throw shooter, 61%. And for the number three pick in the draft, um, it, you know, he's, I, I saw him a lot last year, and I said that the players, that's a player lacking confidence, but uh, there's a lot to build on. You know, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot a look when he came into the league, and then by the time he finished with the Knicks, the last time they went to the playoffs, he was a dead-eye three-point shooter. So guys can develop. Uh, it's just a matter of are they going to put in the time and work. Um, but going back to, to uh, one more Nick's question, uh, the point guards, if you, if you were going to keep one of the two, Frank Nowakino or Dennis Smith, which one would it be and why, Mark? Listen, the safer choice would be Frank. And, you know, they're both lottery picks from 2017, so they'll be restricted free agents at the end of next season. So you're not going to re-sign both of them, and one or two of them could be in a put in a trade. But the safer pick is Nilakina. It looks like he's going to be an NBA player, maybe off the bench, a defensive specialist, a guy who could come in and run the team for 15 minutes a night. He's got to develop a better three-point sh- shot or, as well, and he's got to be able to drive the ball a little better. I mean, offensively, he's still challenged, but he's such a damn good defender. And he could guard probably three positions, one, two, and three. Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know what to make of him. He came out and I did stories on him, big stories on him before the draft. His his North Carolina state coach said he's the next Russell Westbrook. He's got tremendous talent and athleticism, but that's just a small part of the of of the NBA. He he commits so many unforced turnovers. He doesn't really know how to run a team. He spent all of the prior offseason working on his jump shot, and his jump shot looked awful uh, this past season. Listen, he was racked with injuries. His stepmother died. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But if you're going to make a choice, you know, from my seat right now, who do you want to go forward with for the long term? I'm going to place the safer bet on Frank Nilekina. With you there. Um, with, with Tom Thibodeau taking over now as coach, he's, a, he's a, about as respected of a guy as, uh, as there is in the NBA in terms of coaching ability. Uh, and Leon Rose taking over as the, as the general manager, you know, a guy who's represented uh, half the superstars in the league. There's going to be a different dynamic with the Knicks. There's, there's, there's 
new guys in charge, and they have charisma and character, um, but they're not out there. They, you, you never hear from these guys. Um, why is that, Mark? Why aren't the Knicks putting Leon Rose on, uh, on every radio show and TV sports program that they can find to kind of win back their fan base with, with the new man in charge? Yeah, it's mystifying and frustrating to me that uh, we've spoken to Leon maybe two times since he officially got hired on March 1st. The Knicks still have that paranoid mentality. James Dolan is the owner still, and he just looks at the media as the enemy. He feels that it's best to be close to the vest. They're also afraid of questions that are unrelated to basketball, such as Black Lives Matter, where the Knicks came under fire because Dolan uh, didn't release a statement like every other team did on the issue, even though I will have to defend Dolan on this because, you know, they've had so many African-American uh, front office executives to where they set a historic mark. I think their top five executives entering the prior season were African-American. But anyway, listen, the Knicks have not made one player available to the media since March 11th shutdown. The, uh, the, the Elite Eight, as we call them, the eight teams that were not part of the Orlando uh, restart uh, held a, a mini-camp OTAs across three weeks and media availability was optional for the players, but the Knicks were the only team that didn't make a player available for a Zoom call. Every other team, every all seven other teams, had multiple players talk to the media. Uh, they, they were forced to have Thibodeau talk to us, and we talked to him three times, which was the what the NBA required. But the Knicks are laying low right now. I guess they're not selling tickets. I'm always told we're not trying to sell tickets right now. And uh, it, it's mystifying. Their media policy is mystifying. But, yeah, Leon Rose should be on WFAN also and talking about the future. But the Knicks uh, work work it their own way, and it hasn't worked. No, it hasn't. And, and you know, it's frustrating for us as media people, but it's frustrating for fans because they don't get to they don't get to hear the voice of Leon Rose and the voice of Tom Thibodeau, um, and and it's kind of created in New York where we both live sort of a defeatist attitude amongst Knicks fans. Wouldn't you agree that teams just never going to win as long as James Dolan owns it, which is not necessarily true, but it's it's a commonly held belief. It is definitely the perception. Uh, I, I will defend Dolan on the issue he's willing to spend whatever it takes. And the Mets' prior ownership with Will Pond, that wasn't the case. And unfortunately, in the salary cap era, just because you're willing to spend a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to have success. You have to spend it very wisely. But he spent it on coaches. I mean, the amount of money he is spending on coaching right now, he still has to pay off David Fisdale his $23 million contract for the next two seasons. He's paying his entire coaching staff, Fisdale's coaching staff, for the next two years, or at least for sure next season. And now he has Thibodeau, who signed about a deal that was close to $30 million. He hired 
very expensive assistant coaches. Uh, the the guy from Kentucky, the assistant coach from Kentucky, Kenny Payne, is making one point five million dollars next season. Uh, they had to really throw money at him to leave Kentucky. They also hired Johnny Bryant away from Utah. He couldn't turn it down because of the money. Mike Woodson, you know, he's a creative artist agency. I'm sure he got paid well. Dolan is willing to spend the money. Unfortunately, the strategy is never correct. When they want, when they look to rebuild, they're never patient enough. It, it's just a mystery on how many bad decisions Dolan has made. He hires Phil Jackson just at the time when the NBA was turning into a three-point shooting league, and Phil Jackson's philosophy was exactly the opposite with his triangle. It's just a lot of bad decisions and bad luck for Dolan, and maybe he's due. You know, maybe maybe his luck will turn. Uh, a different way because for the last 20 years it's been a nightmare. It, it has. And, uh, I know a lot of Nick fans around New York and they've given up. It's like they won't even watch anything. But, um, look, the, the prior administration did come up with a, a, a pretty decent plan when they missed out on free agency a year and a half ago. They said, well, let's just sign guys to, to, to two year deals and set ourselves up to, to be able to rebuild again in, in 21 22. And, get as many draft picks as we can. I think the Porzingis trade was one of the worst trades uh, any NBA team has made over the past five years, but it is what it is. It, it, it's done, and now Kristaps is playing with Luka Doncic um, in, in the West, but they still got to get through LeBron. they got to get through the Clippers. You know, Portland's, gonna, Portland's probably going to be a lot better next year with Lisa Nurkic back uh, at full strength and healthy. He was, you know, he was all bubble material uh, before Portland got taken out by the Lakers in the first round, so uh, you know, I don't know, Mark. It's uh, like you said, it's kind of it's frustrating and it's impressive, but you got to look two, three years down the road if you're a Knicks fan to see any sign of hope, and you got to pay attention to the draft and see who comes out of the draft that, that puts in the work to to become a, a professional who can last. And right now, it's on R.J. Barrett and his dad, um, and then we'll see who the Knicks pick up uh, in the draft going forward. Uh, who do you like with, uh, for the Knicks? Uh, well, right now they're sitting at number eight, which is not the best spot in this draft. I'm pretty sure that Leon Rose had said there were two special players um, in the draft, and he was referring, obviously, one to LaMelo Ball, and the other, I believe, to James Weissman. And I don't think either will fall to eight. They would have to make a trade up. So at eight right now, they're not even, you know, all ecstatic about the situation. So there's always a chance they trade back. Uh, I like Halliburton, the point guard from Iowa State. Uh, I think he's got a great basketball IQ. He can shoot from three. He can defend. He seems to check all the boxes. But I'm told the Knicks aren't as high on him as some other teams. Uh, the kid, Okoro from Auburn, uh, he's going to be probably a very, very good role player, a terrific defender, but can't shoot, and the Knicks need shooting. They're considering him at eight, but if you're picking an eight, I think you'd want someone who could develop into a star. And, uh, you know, I know they like Maxi from Kentucky, a combo guard. He doesn't really have a, 
you know, a position, but this is the positionless era where everyone's a combo guard. Uh, this is going to be a very tough decision for Leon Rose, and they had a lot of time to investigate it and still have more than a month uh, to go and still doing their work. Uh, but, you know, trades trades are on the table. Uh, I, they have to hit a home run with this. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, they're young players. Who, who knows if even Barrett is going to develop into a, a solid ball player. So, uh, yeah, the future is is very unclear. The Chris Paul situation doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I feel that maybe he peaked out. He had this great season with Oklahoma City and, and a great he's got a great coach and you know, a great system and a great program in Oklahoma. You know, I just don't know if he could duplicate it for the next two years in New York. Uh, it just everything seems so up in the air. And they have a rookie president. You know, William Wesley is the second in charge, even though, well, his title is senior VP, but he's really uh, got Leon Rose's ear, and neither guy has ever worked for an NBA team before. So, uh, so much up in the air in uh, the Knicks universe, and it's just amazing how dedicated their fan base is. It's, it's, you mentioned the Nets, and yeah, they're going to be very good, but you know, we run our stories on the web on the Nets, and they don't get any hits, and uh, not nearly as many hits as the Knicks. Yeah, the New York is still a Knicks town, uh, but let's face it, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a heck of a team next year, and, and that leads me to my next question, Mark. Is, is Brooklyn going to be the best team in, uh, in the Eastern Conference uh, Next season, with, uh, they're going to have Kevin Durant back. They're going to have Kyrie Irving back. Karis LeVert uh, looked really, really good in the bubble. Jared Allen um, is developing into, you know, certainly a top six, top seven center. Uh, would you pick them as a favorite to come out of the East just on paper at this point? Yeah, I mean, listen, on paper they're very talented, but I would definitely not put them as the favorite because you have a rookie coach who's never even been an assistant coach and Steve Nash. I like Steve Nash. He was a great ball player. Uh, you know, he worked for Golden State, but I'm told he didn't show up that much. He was part-time, and, you know, I'm told that he wasn't really around as much as people might have thought. So I, I was just surprised that here you're, you're built to win right away with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and you got Spencer and you got Levert. But you're built to win right this second. Why would you hire a guy who has never been a head coach before, never even been a full-time assistant coach? They should have hired Tyrone, Tyrone Wu, who gets along very well with Kyrie. And I think Kyrie is the mystery here. I do believe Kevin Durant's going to come back as a major force, despite the Achilles situation, but the mystery is, will Kyrie be healthy? Will he be a leader? Will he be motivated? Will he not be weird? Uh, there's so much talent there, and I am hoping that the Nets have a great season and give New York basketball fans something to cheer about, and I think they're going to steal some Knicks fans finally, if they are very good, because who knows how, how if the Knicks... Listen... It's not just that the Knicks have missed the playoffs for seven straight seasons. They have been out of the playoff race by March 1st every single uh, for the last six years. So by March 1st, it's been over. There's been no reason to watch the Knicks after March 1st for the last six seasons. And Knicks fans deserve so much better.
all, all good points, but, you know, Mark, Kyrie's going to be weird. <laughs> it's just, you know, that comes with the territory. Um, can you harness that weird into productivity? And, um, yeah. and you make good points about Steve Nash, but rookie head coaches, you know, it depends who's his, who's his X's and O's guy, and do the players respect him and listen to him, and can he motivate? Because so much in this generation is, is motivational. Players are making so much money. If, they're not, if they tune out the coach, the guy's a dead man walking. We saw that with, with Brett Brown in Philadelphia. And we saw it with Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn. They just, they just stopped listening. And, and you know, both of those guys are, are now looking for new jobs. Uh, he's he's uh, at New York Post, long slash Berman uh, on Twitter. Mark Berman, been covering the New York Knicks for 21 seasons. I'm Chris Sheridan. I'm Sheridan Groups on Twitter. And this is my new show for basketballnews.com. It's a great new website. We've been out there for a, a month now. Uh, the managing editor is Alex Kennedy, who everyone remembers from Hoopsype and Real GM and BasketballInsiders.com. Uh, we've got a lot of talent on board in terms of uh, ex-players, ex-coaches. I did my first podcast with Big Del Negro a couple weeks ago. We were talking NBA Finals. Mark, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, everybody should subscribe to the New York Post. I get it at home delivered, uh, but you can read it on the web. Uh, and you don't have to spend money on the athletic. <laughs> you got you to say what you got to say, and it's the truth. You can, you can say it. So that's what I said. Uh, Mark, again, thanks for joining the show. We look forward to having you on again. And as always, I look to read uh, your coverage and Brian Lewis's coverage when the post shows up in my driveway every day. Uh, great. Chris, thanks so much, and uh, good luck uh, with the show. And uh, you're doing a great job. Thanks. I appreciate it, Mark. He's been a good friend for a long time. I think he still owes me like $7 on dollars. <laughs> you got it. I'll mail the check. Yeah, we keep that. No, we'll just keep that running tally until we, until we both retire. <laughs> which is never going to happen. All right. That's a wrap for today's show, folks. Uh, I'll be back again with another great guest, and I thank you for tuning in to the Sheridan Show, powered by basketballnews.com. And that's an over and out.